Uh, so this morning we'll be looking at Luke chapter 2, 8 through 18. Uh, but before we do that, let's open up in prayer. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you're in this space. And we just ask that we would sense your presence. That you would speak through me. And use me as a vessel for your truth and your word. And that you would transform us into your likeness. That we would look more like you because of the truth that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you can turn to Luke chapter 2, 8 through 18, and I'll read it for us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. My dad is here today, and he, at, during worship, said, do you remember when I was forced to be the shepherd in one of those manger scenes? My stepmom had signed him up for it, and I actually, this past weekend, had to play a shepherd. And it's always one of those things as an adult, like, you're like, ah, this is it's just a little awkward. Um, but I will put a plug in for Urban Impact's Light the Night. I played the shepherd, and you guys really missed out on my performance. <laughs> Uh, okay, thank you, thank you. I know, I was great, no. Um, the, <laughs> the kids are just phenomenal, and it's a great way to start uh, the season with 200 students telling of the real reason of Christmas. So if you haven't seen Urban Impacts Light the Night before, uh, check it out next year. But anyways, I just thought it was funny that my dad brought up. I'm sure uh, if you are a parent or will be a parent, you're probably going to be a shepherd at some point um, in your life, maybe. It's a high chance. Uh, but since I was a shepherd, and then I'm speaking on the shepherds this morning, I just, I really wanted to get into the role, right? And so I have a friend who is a modern-day shepherd, and I reached out to him, and I was like, can you tell me a little bit about what it's like, and what, what have you learned? Uh, and so he was very sweet uh, and allowed, uh, allowed me to hear some of the things that he'd learned. So he said it's some of the most rewarding work that he has ever done. Um, he was also able to learn about how God sees us, which then he says, I quote, 
because sheep are pretty stupid and really and get really really sidetracked. <laughs> I don't. It's God probably sees us in a little more positive verbiage, but um, it's true, right? And and some of the tasks that he had to do while he was a shepherd were shearing sheep. He said that the the sheep hated it. But once they were off the shearing table, they would actually lead other sheep to him to be sheared. All of these are like great sermons in and of, them, in and of themselves. He'd also make sure that they have good pastures, right? Uh, that they had hay and good food to eat, clean water. When lambing, he would separate the mom um, and her lambs to make sure they had a good bond. He'd give them medicine. Uh, he'd ensure they have good fences around them. He'd go find the lost sheep. He actually said sometimes they get stuck in the fences and then I have to pull them out and fix the fence. <laughs> I mean, like, talk about stupid, right? But, like, how many fences have I gotten stuck in, metaphorically speaking, right? Probably a lot. One of his favorite stories was he was trying to move the rams to a different pasture that was 300 yards away, and it was summertime, and the, their water system broke. So he's trying to move them, and he goes in and does his yell because the shepherds know him by his yell and his voice. So they all gather around, and he starts trying to move them to the new pasture to get water. And every 20 yards... They stop, and they just start eating the grass. He's like, no, we got we to gotta keep going. So he'd come back around and try to force them to go, and they'd get really ticked off and start ramming his legs. And this was every 20 yards to get 300 yards. So he finally makes it the 300 yards, and they get to the water that he was leading them to, and he's like, it was like they were drinking water for the first time. Like, they'd never had water before, and they were so happy. They, like, came around him, and he's just sitting in his flock of sheep by water, by water right? Um, now, he is in Swickley in 2022. So his work as a shepherd looks a lot different than the work of a shepherd in the time of Jesus in Bethlehem. He had a water system, right? They didn't have water systems. They didn't have modern-day medicine. However, it still seems like... I'm sorry this keeps... Okay. Um, it still seems like frustratingly hard work, right? You have to be patient. And it requires a lot of different skills. He needed carpentry. He needs to know some type of medical care if he's birthing lambs, giving medicine... Now, he doesn't have to worry about predators in Swickley, uh, like the shepherds in Jesus' day. But it's an ordinary job, and it requires a lot of hard work. And today, we're going to see how God meets the shepherds who were ordinary men in an ordinary field doing an ordinary job. And he tells them something extraordinary that would change the rest of history. So let's back up for a second. The Gospel of Luke in general, it's written by Luke, okay? Um, and he's writing to his friend, Theophilus, who is probably a Greek. 
and he's probably in high social standing. And Luke states in his intro to Theophilus that he has thoroughly investigated all that has been orally passed down to them, and he has seen it to be true. And so he writes to his friend in consecutive order the story of Jesus and to prove that this has actually happened. Now, Luke also addresses the Jewish culture while writing to a Gentile. And so the larger message of Luke is that the salvation of Jesus Christ is for all people. And that when Jesus came, everything that happened was true and accurate. So keep these things in mind as we listen or, or go through this story of the shepherds. Because it seems like a highly unlikely story involving pretty unlikely people. And yet, Luke found it to actually have happened. So Luke then transitions to the story of Jesus, right? He starts talking about John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus. And this is where we pick up in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. These shepherds were probably Jewish. And they would have been aware of all the Old Testament promises. And their pastures were probably outside the city gates. And it wasn't the lowest occupation in the culture. Their work was valued. Sheep were a commodity in the Jewish culture. And especially during Passover, they needed sheep, right? However, their work as shepherds would have considered them unclean to worship in the temple. I mean, if you think about it, they're working with sheep and other animals. So they were probably covered in blood at times, maybe feces, probably feces. Um, <laughs> so they were ordinary guys. Like if I picture a shepherd in modern day, besides my friend who's like actually a shepherd, but if I was likening them to some, someone else, I, I kind of think of a mechanic, whether that's accurate. But you think of someone who's like hardworking, right? You can see it on their hands. They, they have dirt on their clothing. Right? After a hard day's work, they're not like walking into a formal dinner, right? They'd have to freshen up a little bit. And they probably know each other really well, right? Maybe they're like smoking their cigs, shooting the breeze, talking about their last fling, right? Like these guys know each other and it's an ordinary day. Like, I, I don't know. That's the picture that I get. <laughs> it's weird, whatever. Um, but if you think about your ordinary day, every one of our days are, are different. But what is ordinary to you? And in your most ordinary of days... What's your state of mind? How would you handle a surprise on your most ordinary of days? Because in a moment, their day changed from ordinary to shockingly extraordinary. And this is a lesson that we should really lean into. Because while we live our ordinary lives, extraordinary things can happen in a moment, and everything can change. 
So Luke chapter 2, verse 9, it says, And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. What would your thought be if you were standing in the middle of a field in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden an angel popped out of nowhere and light was shining all around? Right? Like, it's pitch black. <laughs> I picture, like, in my day, walking down a dark alleyway and all of a sudden this like spotlight hits and I'll tell you my first thought is oh my gosh I'm I, I don't know what I did I like this is something terrible gonna happen to me maybe it's the police and they've been looking for me did I jaywalk did did I see something and I didn't report it I stole a ring from Macy's in fifth grade you know like just all these things would be running through my mind I I actually dad yes I stole a ring in fifth grade uh, <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> you should have seen my dad's face. All right. Um, so I'd either like freeze or I'd fall to the ground and start army crawling as fast as I could out of that place, right? And so when it says that they were terribly afraid or terribly frightened in this moment, it's an understatement. In Greek, this word means put to flight, to flee, to seize with alarm. These bros who were just hanging out, talking their stuff, I mean, they, and then they see this light, I'm sure they were like, this is, this is it, this is the end, right? Or like thinking through everything that has happened in their life. It would have shaken them to the core. But in verses 10 through 12, the angel says to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. This is the third time in the Gospel of Luke we're only two chapters in, that the angel states, or that an angel states, do not be afraid. An angel said this to Zacharias before the birth of John. The angel Gabriel said this to Mary. And now they're saying, do not be afraid to the shepherds. The same word that was in verse 9 of they were terribly frightened and now do not be afraid. Fabeho, uh, I think is how you say it. It's repeated here by the angel. And so think about it as the, this angel saying, do not flee. Or do not be seized because you are fearful. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The angel's heralding here, right? He's heralding the news of the Savior, the Messiah, to the shepherds. These ordinary shepherds were some of the first people to hear this news. People who were unfit for worship in the temple, probably a little rough around the edges, were the first people to know of the birth of the Messiah, who had been promised for so long. One minute they're just watching their sheep, and the next they're the first, some of the first witnesses to salvation history. 
Now, typically, people of means during this time would hire heralds to tell of the birth of a child, especially their firstborn son. Who do we tell? Right? Who are the first people we tell? I probably didn't tell my mechanic. Um, right? I, I probably tell my parents, my siblings, and then I like make sure to hire like this really good photog to get these cute pictures and you know create this cute little caption to then post to my sphere of influence on social media, right? Like that's how we herald news today. <laughs> But God decided, rather than hiring a herald for the Prince of Peace and King Overall, or posting on social media, he chose the angels to then speak to shepherds, who would then become spokespeople for the gospel. The angel states that this is new, good news of great joy for all people. The angel doesn't just state it, but God is actively showing this to be true, right? He didn't tell it to high-class religious leaders in Jewish society, right? These shepherds were unfit to worship. Or in the book of Matthew, we see that some of the first people were wise men. They were Gentile. That doesn't make sense. But do you see what God is doing? He's beginning to show and continue to set the stage for how the kingdom is for all people. And he will use any type of person for his glory. For all people, for all nations, for all genders, ages, professions, it doesn't matter. There is not one that God cannot call his own. How do we see the announcing of the kingdom of God? When Christ returns, who will be the first to recognize? Maybe some of the least likely. <laughs> but this is fitting for who God is, using the least likely to transform the world. So as we wait in anticipation for his second coming, do we believe that he desires to meet with us in the same way and to use us just as he used the shepherds. He wants to meet you in your ordinary day and announce all that he's doing. God also loves shepherds. We see this throughout scripture, right? Like let's think about all the shepherds that he used to build his kingdom. Abraham, Abraham didn't even know God and he became the father of Israel. Moses, he's shepherding in the wilderness and sees a burning bush and then frees God's people, right? I skipped a lot of things there, but um, David, a shepherd boy, and he becomes king of Israel. So isn't it fitting then that God would announce the good shepherd, the greatest shepherd, to shepherds themselves? God's making clear that Jesus isn't coming like other rulers who will use brute force or be of great means or instilling fear in other people. In fact, he says, do not fear. He does the opposite. And he exhibits attributes of a shepherd. 
One other thing to highlight is that the angel announces that the Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. The angel didn't state a Savior is born and he will be Christ the Lord. He is and he always will be. His lordship didn't evolve as he grew. He was Lord of all in the womb, in the manger, and at the end of time. Right? It doesn't change. Luke 13 through 14 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The first response is praise from heaven. A host of angels are now with the first angel, singing glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Because God is worthy of our praise in a random field in the middle of the night. I picture the shepherds just being enraptured by this sight, right? And so encompassed by the praise that's happening all around them. They were men who were told they were unfit to worship in the temple. And yet now there is room for them to sing praise with the heavens and to be told that they can go into the presence of Jesus. And just as the shepherds are welcomed and there's room created for them, so are we. Because of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we're welcomed into his presence. When I say that, how do you feel? Do you feel like God creates space for you? He meets us in our ordinary day and creates space for us to meet and praise him. And the shepherds did nothing to earn this. Not a thing. And we don't either. He chooses us. Or have we become so enlightened to believe and be in awe of the supernatural presence of God. Does that seem impossible to us? It wasn't impossible for the shepherds. This promise of peace that the host of angels sang, it also would have resonated for the shepherds. This word for peace is, is um, irony. And this word has several meanings that would have rung true for the shepherds, literally and figuratively. The first is that it, it meant a national state of tranquility, an exemption from rage and havoc of war. You see, the Jewish people, they anticipated this Messiah, this coming Savior, to take back their land from the Roman Empire. That would have meant war. And yet this word for peace means exemption from the rage and havoc of it. Jesus' way is much different. He, he trumps all of it. And his way is of peace. It would be different. The second meaning for this word peace is one of harmony with others. And so when you have peace and harmony, harmony that becomes a flourishing for people of safety, prosperity, security for all the people, they said. And then there's this third meaning of the Messiah's peace, the way that leads to salvation. 
a tranquil state of the soul because of Jesus. Trusting in the salvation of the Messiah, fearing nothing from God, and being content with all that is in store for us on this earth. And so again, it's because of the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus that this is still offered to us today. He alone is the exemption from the rage and the havoc of war. A peace that offers reconciliation, redemption, harmony, and flourishing for all. It is in his peace alone, his gift and good news that allows us to fear nothing and have a tranquility that runs deep in our soul. And while this message is being sung by the heavenly hosts of angels, it doesn't say again that the shepherds were frightened. Instead, verses 15 through 16, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. Their fear turned into faith because of what they had seen and heard. The book of Proverbs begins with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They were granted wisdom and faith because of their awestruck fear. When God pops into the ordinary, how do you respond? And maybe this whole time you're like, but he doesn't, Amanda. <laughs> he doesn't come to my neighborhood, my job, my family, my house. I'd like to challenge you that he does. My shepherd friend also told me that sheep are practically blind. And that's why they recognize the voice. But when we think about our lives today, in 2022, if we are blind and we cannot see where the greatest shepherd is leading us, but we also have AirPods in, music while we drive, the TV on, social media all the time. How are we going to hear his voice? So we're not only blind, but we're deaf. How are we ever going to experience God? So maybe he does show up. We just don't see or hear him. And as a result, our fear doesn't turn to faith. Our fear becomes anxiety, anger, depression, frustration. How does it play out for you? What might God be saying to you about this? So the shepherds, they turned to each other and said, let's go. And they hurried off to find this baby laying in a manger and all the things that the Lord had told them about. But, like, can you actually imagine what this looked like as well? Like, all they knew is there's a baby wrapped in clothes laying in a manger in Bethlehem. And they were so excited, right? So they're, maybe they're, like, running around, knocking on all the doors, being like, hey, is there a baby in a manger there? Right? Like, they probably looked a little crazy. <laughs> but they encouraged each other to do it, to go and find and see the things that the Lord had told them about. 
Verse 17 through 18 then says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. They didn't stop at the manger. They continued to spread the news of the Messiah and everything that had, had unfolded for them that night. In some ways, they were like the first evangelists, right? Telling everything they had experienced because of their testimony. God chose these ordinary shepherds to do that, to be the spokesperson of the promised one. And everyone who heard the news was amazed. The people were amazed at the message, not the messenger. Because it was never about who or what status those spokespeople had, but about the message of Jesus. They were unlikely people, but that's how God works. God chooses the most unlikely to encounter him in the most ordinary days. To meet him and become people who tell of the good news of Jesus. Because it is good news. But if we don't anticipate and listen, how are we going to know when God shows up? And what story are we going to tell? If we're not telling God's story, whose story are we telling? The shepherds weren't expecting it. But once their fear turned to faith, it changed everything. And they moved with urgency to meet Jesus. We have the same opportunity. What will you do with this story? And who will you tell? The great poet Mary Oliver wrote, Instructions for living a life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. These are wise words. And we see this in the lives of the shepherds on that ordinary night in an ordinary field. So how will you live? Will you pay attention? Will you be astonished by what God is doing? And will you tell about it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the greatest shepherd. That you came and you want to meet us. And then you want us to go and tell your story. And so, God, may we do that. May we be faithful and obedient to do that this season. Whatever that looks like, however you want to use us. We thank you for the example of the shepherds and the amazing night that they had in an ordinary field with their ordinary job. It became extraordinary. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.